Welcome to Junior Elves and Now What, episode 14. As I had mentioned in my previous interlude episode, there was a rather sad event that took place over the last week where my wife's grandfather passed away. For me, this was and has been a very interesting part of my life over the last 17 plus years. Up until I was 14, I had very few living grandparents. And when I turned 14, the last of them passed away. So for well over half of my life, I have not had any blood relative living grandparents. And when my wife and I got married, and I got married into this family that had living grandparents, it was kind of almost awkward because I didn't know how to deal with it. But to their credit, they welcomed me with open arms and loved me as if I were one of their own grandsons. And that was pretty spectacular, I have to say. And it was great to be able to have, uh, for all intents and purposes, grandparents again. This passing, sad as it was, with the uh, you know understanding that it's always sad that someone's leaving us in this mortality without them and their presence and influence has brought to my mind a great deal of questions. Not from the standpoint of, you know, why are we here and where are we going, but more from the standpoint of perspective on how we view and deal with these. Between the funeral services themselves and the actual burial of my wife's grandfather, my oldest son, uh, on the car ride in between those locations, asked the question of how we were feeling. And it was, a, it was a very bold and relevant question, because my wife and I were certainly handling this situation in the extremely opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, my wife was going through definitely grieving, and so were many others that were attending this, this funeral. Um, as I explained to my son, for me personally, I don't know that at any point in my entire life, have I ever gone through the stages of grieving? Now, maybe I just, I've either been too young when people have passed away that I knew and loved, or I haven't been close enough to them, or maybe I'm just not wired to go through those. Who knows? Time will tell. But I was not experiencing that those stages during the, the funeral services. And I certainly recognized others were, though. And so what I told him is that, for me, what I was feeling was sadness for those others that were suffering. Because even if I myself didn't understand what that felt like, I can certainly appreciate the fact that others were going through it and were suffering. I have had family members who have lost loved ones, spouses, fathers, mothers, cousins, brothers, and sisters. And it does pull the heartstrings when you watch them to go, uh, watch them going through that. As he asked those questions and I was giving him these answers, lots of different thoughts were going through my mind about how others view these types of events. Uh, I, I want to dive into some musical references and some fiction for a minute to just kind of broaden the scope of this discussion for a minute. This is going to be a few points of just ramblings. Um, as these thoughts are going through my mind, I'm, I'm kind of just sharing them with you. One of them comes from a series of books written by Orson Scott Card. Most of you have probably heard of Ender's Game. 
Well, after Ender's Game was written, Orson Scott Card wrote basically a trilogy that bolts onto the end of it. Same basic cast of characters, but pretty kind of radically different focused story arc. And the first book of that latter trilogy, if you will, or part of the Ender's series, was a book called Speaker, it was either Speaker for the Dead or Speaker of the Dead. And I have to admit, I'm not an enormous fan of those books. Uh, I thought Ender's Game was amazing. Ender's Shadow was even better. Once I got into the Speaker of the Dead, I kind of lost interest. It wasn't really my cup of tea, as it were. But I did take away something fascinating. And that was that in Speaker for the Dead, when or Speaker of the Dead, when a person passed away, a person was then designated to be their speaker, almost like their advocate. But it wasn't the idea of saying, you know, I want to help prove that this person was amazing or a, a spectacular. It was... I want to tell the story of this person. No emotional burden or baggage. I want to tell the facts, who they were, who they influenced, who they interact with, and what they did. And it's a very interesting viewpoint because you attend, as you attend funeral services, you hear people referred to in lots of different adjectives. They were funny. They were happy. They were a wonderful person. And... All of that very well may be true. I, I know that in the case of this uh, my, this grandparent of my wife's that passed away, I've known him for a fair number of years now, and, and I've definitely viewed my interactions with him as pleasant and upbeat, and I, I learned things from the stories that he shared. But I also think back to um, the movie Shazam that came out earlier this year. Yes, it's a DC comic book-based movie, but with all things, there's always something you can take away. And in that movie, there is a scene that's repeated a few times throughout the movie, but from different perspectives. And that scene is when the main character as a child, a small child, a couple of years old, and his mother are at like a circus or um, an amusement park of sorts. And when shown from the viewpoint of the son, he views it as if his mom were happy and enjoying herself and enjoying her time with him. But later in the movie, when viewed from her perspective, you see things in a different light, how she was tired and she was dragged down and she was not in a good place. And it's interesting to me that regardless of the facts, uh, and, I, and I say the word fact from the standpoint of if you were to go back in time and record that with a video camera, Everyone should theoretically see everything happening as black and white. You know, here, here's the numbers. Here's the math. Two plus two equals four. Here's exactly what happened. But as humans, we interpret things differently and we remember things differently. And so as a person is passing beyond this mortality, we definitely look at our memories through that emotional filter and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually, uh, it's probably a very good thing because it gives us reflection on their lives and our own. And it helps us to want to see the best because I'm sure in all of our situations, when, when it is our turn to go, we want everyone else to see us at our best. Another thing um, to consider, there's a, there's a song from an artist that I've learned to enjoy at least some of their work. The artist is 6AM, S-I-X-X-A-M. This is another one of those uh, artists where 
Uh, you have to be a little careful about what songs you pull. Um, I'm one of those terrible anti-art, not really anti-art, but um, human beings where when I pull off songs, <clears throat> if there's two versions of it, one that's um, not mature, mature audience versus mature audience, I pull down the one that's not for mature audience, meaning like they've edited out like F-words and stuff like that. Um, this artist, like some others that I enjoy, have those some of those types of songs that are not ideal. But 6AM has a song that I actually thoroughly enjoy called Life is Beautiful. And in the song, one of the lines of the lyrics says, promise me that no one will cry at my funeral. Now, I am not an advocate of that. I am not a person who cries often or easily. In fact, extremely rarely. But I recognize that it is important for people to be able to show that emotion. But on the same token, I certainly would love it that if people attended my funeral when it's my time to go, that they spent most of the time laughing. I want that upbeat smile. In fact, I told my father-in-law, and this is going to sound really, truly terrible, but we were talking about caskets and, you know, what you know, material they're made from and what would be the ideal one. And I said, you know what? I want mine decorated in uh, scantily clad or inappropriately looking women so that everyone who comes in gets embarrassed when they see it. I can only imagine the look on their faces. It's like the band's Bare Naked Ladies. I mean, it's just funny to say their name. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not putting that in my will and I'm not earnestly sincere about it. But the idea still sounds. What do we want for others at our funerals? But then again, what do we want when we attend them? Are we thinking about our lives and self-reflection? Are we thinking about the person? Are we thinking about those that are around us? Speaking of Bare Naked Ladies, in one of their more famous songs, there's a line in there that says uh, something to the effect of, I laugh at funerals. If you don't understand what I mean, you soon will. I certainly have a habit of laughing at inappropriate times and scenes, and uh I, I find lots of life interesting and, and potentially humorous. I don't know that I would be an advocate of telling people that they should laugh at a funeral. Um, we all grieve in different ways. We all reflect in different ways. And one of the most difficult topics to discuss is death. Certainly, I would argue, not the most difficult. And I will not shy away from it. Because, as I have told others time and time again, one of the most obvious consequences to birth is death. We are all dying. It's going to happen eventually. So we should embrace that reality. We should live life knowing that it's coming. It may be decades, for some of us, even a century down the road. But on the same token, when those events happen, we need to remember a few things. Number one, this is not the end. That's very important for us to understand so that we can have that hope instead of dread when these moments happen. Number two, each and every one of us is going to deal with this differently. Some of us are going to deny it. Some of us are going to embrace the stages of grief. Some of us are going to be like me and they just don't really feel other than, yeah, I'm sad they're not here and that I won't see them again in this mortality. But as crazy as this sounds, I view it as if the person is just going on a really long vacation and I won't see them for perhaps quite a long time, but I will see them again. 
some people are going to really emotional and want to lash out to be upset and angry at others that, that again, as I mentioned before, maybe I didn't mention before. Well, anyway, um, it seems to enhance our emotions towards other people for good or for ill. Um, we need to take these times and be respectful for those around us and patient, very, very patient. Um, too many family feuds can come about because of these rather significant and important moments of our lives. Death is going to happen. What is it? It's the old saying, death and taxes are only the two guarantees in life. And because of that, we, A, shouldn't shy away from it, and B, we should utilize these as opportunities for growth for ourselves, lessons learned, and opportunities to look at the brighter side. The speaker for the dead approach, where it's just fact-based, this is what the person is, has a time and place for it. But I favor the side where we say, yeah, this person may or may not have been perfect. But I want to look at this as an optimistic moment. The, the glass is half full. This is the drink that I ordered kind of idea. And say, and I want to live my life so that when it's my turn, that is what people remember of me as well. So enough of my ramblings. And now what? The takeaway here is that not only should we live our lives in a way that other people remember us fondly and positively, but no one is going to remember what we did if we don't do anything. And I'm not saying that we need to jump out of our chair right now and go do and act and be, but what I am suggesting is um, a short story here. Uh, there was an inspirational speaker, I don't remember who, who would tell a story about how he met a woman. They sat down and he asked her how she was doing. And I, I guess she had been on some kind of trip or vacation. And so he asked her about it. The conversation, and I'm going to use that word loosely, lasted hours. And at the end of the conversation, he said that he spoke maybe a dozen words. And yet after the conversation was over, she was bragging to somebody else how he was one of the most amazing conversationalists out there. And what it boils down to is she needed somebody to listen. So the takeaway here is that we need to do for others in a way that's going to positively influence them. Remember that perspective is king, not reality. And so we need to do what's right, but if we really want to be remembered, we need to do something that's going to influence their perspective, not just reality. So, ending with a quote, what if the only way to achieve our maximum potential in this life is to live our lives in such a way as to be remembered when our time comes to end this mortality? as somebody who positively influenced the lives of those around us in a way that was upbeat, memorable, and influential, not just to the world around us, but to the individual. By small and simple things shall great things come to pass. And that's true for every element of this existence. Live life, do, 
be happy, and remember that you're worth it. And remember that when Chuck Norris goes to bed, he sleeps with a nightlight, not because he's afraid of the dark, because the darkness is afraid of him. <laughs>